everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Keela Cash, and I'm back here today covering the 2022 Warrior Rumble, and what a show it was. But I'm not alone as I got my right-hand man, my co-captain, and the advocate of Von Wagner, who for some reason did not appear in tonight's Men's Warrior Rumble match. I bring to you, per the usual, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. Well, first of all, let me just, you know, a couple things. Uh, I'm not happy because I had already worked out an agreement. Uh, also, thanks to Jeremy, uh, where Von Wagner was supposed to be the 30th entrance. And that's the place that Brock Lesnar took. Just in case anyone was wondering, storyline wise, Von Wagner was supposed to be 30th. Brock Lesnar took his spot. So that's how that happened. So I'm a little upset about that because that took a lot of work. You know, that was going to be a big moment for me. Uh, so they took that from me. They took money out of my pocket. Well, Brock was very upset and he lost his advocate last night. So you have to understand that he had to step in at the last possible moment and tell Vaughn, sit your ass down somewhere. Your moment will come sooner or later, just not last night. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, And I guess they told everybody else to uh, go ahead and sit down and not get too excited because we don't have anything exciting for you this Rumble season or at least the first night of it. No, the road to WrestleMania began last night from the Dome at St. Louis, Missouri, in St. Louis, Missouri, I should say. And this was the first official kickoff to WrestleMania season. And I think I can speak for myself and for you and for every WWE fan out there that there was a lot of hype surrounding this year's Warrior Rumble, a lot of unpredictability, a lot of surprises that were leaked via social media. And sometimes you got to stay away from it, but it did not temper my enthusiasm for this show until the show show actually took place because as I watched the show I had high hopes and when the show was over I was like well this was four hours of my life I can never get back this wasn't 2014 15 16 bad but this was a very bland and poorly booked warrior rumble pay-per-view in terms of the rumble matches and the championship matches that underwhelmed due to the booking no, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I will say this, the, the show isn't, it wasn't a terrible show. I, I just think it was a little underwhelming because like you said, there was a lot of hype around the show. There was a lot of uncertainty and we we did get a little bit of that. You know, we did get some, some good surprises and even the ones that were kind of spoiled were still solid surprises. Uh, but I, I do think on the, on the grand scale, it was just a bit underwhelming because there was a good amount of hype. And I know for a fact that there was a lot of people who don't normally watch WWE who tuned in for this event. So, um, yeah, I think underwhelming is going to be the word used for this rumble going forward. Yeah, that'd be the word of the day. It's always an exciting time to be a fan this time of year. But WWE definitely left us a lot to be desired via the show last night. It was very long. It was kind of jinxy from the moment Ronda Rousey won the Women's Warrior Rumble match. The WrestleMania sign caught on fire not once but twice. We had blown spots in the Warrior Rumble and just booking decisions that did not make sense in a lot of ways. And it just felt like a show that missed that extra oomph. And in some cases, we go back to all of the roster cuts this past year and my goodness and people they got cut would have been a nice fit for these rumble matches I mean there's just there's spots where I would have I just taken some of these people instead like you know just off the top of my head even in the women's one like where's Asuka where, where, what have they done with the, the, the wonderful, uh, the, the queen, the empress? What have they done with the empress, man? Like, where is she? 
Io Shirai, like where's the NXT call up? So we didn't, I, I don't think we got a single NXT call up during this rumble, which is rather odd to me. It's just, it's just a weird thing. Zia Lee, this would have been a good spot for her to get some shine. Like I, it's just, I don't know. Even if she's on the roster, like think about Keith Lee getting some moments in here. Like, I don't know, man, I, underwhelmed, underwhelmed. Yes, Finn Balor missing, Cesaro missing, Zylee, as you there mentioned, you missing. We knew some people that, that, that were not going to be there last night due to injuries that are kind of kept on the low right now. So I knew I had a tip of my expectations for that. But my goodness, there are a lot of people that could have filled spots last night, but they did not for whatever reason. And WWE went in a different direction. Was it a good direction? In my opinion, it was not. But we'll get to the main Rumble matches eventually. But let's kick things off with the opener match, with the opening match, which was for the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins has been playing mind games with Roman Reigns for the last few weeks on SmackDown, going full-on Joker this past Friday, basically bringing up the moment he broke Roman Reigns nearly eight years ago with a chair shot to the back when he broke up the shield. And Roman's out there in God mode, ready to defend his championship. And then we hear the shield steam music, and Seth Rollins hit troll mode 5,000 as he came out to the Shield's music, to the Shield's music in the OG Shield gear. He is just trolling Roman Reigns. I love the entrance. Roman was pissed off. The only thing was missing was the fact that Seth Rollins wasn't 100%, 100% committed when he would dye half of his hair blonde. That would have been the picture perfect way to sell this faux Shield tribute. It was great. And from the opening bell Seth was all over Roman Reigns he delivered a powerbomb through the announce table and he hit a buckle bomb went for the curb stomp that really popped these crowds really popped the crowd for a near fall that they thought was the finish Roman and these 2.999s really had the crowd going at various points Roman eventually fought back with a drive-by and he laid out Seth with a spear and every time he thought he had Seth down for the count Seth managed to get back up he goes for a second spear and Seth counters with a pedigree in a great mid-air moment for another near fall eventually Seth got worn down by Roman Reigns Roman hits another spear and eventually Roman says, fuck this. You're not going to keep laughing at me. Let me lock in this guillotine. And Seth is struggling to get back on his feet. And as he goes for the ropes, he doesn't make it. But some miracle happens. Charles Robinson, little Nate, says, let me help you, Seth. Let me grab your hand. Let me put it on the rope myself to help you break the hold. And Roman refuses to relent despite the rope break and Charles Robinson has no choice but to call for the bell. It ends via disqualification. The crowd boos. I'm angry. I'm sure a lot of fans are upset with this finish to kick off the Warrior Rumble via a disqualification was definitely a choice, but it wasn't over as Roman Reigns went for a steel chair and he paid Seth Rollins back with a chair, with a chair shot to the back over and over and over again, at least maybe 15 chair shots to Seth Rollins. And it was a brutal attack. The fans ate it up. They booed Roman out of the building. He got the proper heel heat. And when it was all said and done, I thought to myself, did Roman Reigns beat the heel out of Seth Rollins? It's the babyface that we all know and love coming back via the Rollins of 2019 that was so over with the people. And when it was all said and done, I wanted to see Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania in a rematch for the Universal Championship. I know the long game is obviously Brock 
Brock Lesnar and Roman for the Universal Championship. But in the here and now, the story with the most meat on the bone is Seth versus Roman, a man that Roman has never beaten when it counts most. And he proved it last night when he could not beat the man by submitting him. He cannot beat him via spear. He cannot beat him any way, shape or form. Seth had that man's number mentally. He had him physically. And Roman Reigns has another problem to deal with alongside Brock Lesnar. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on this opening match for the Wumble and how it finished via a DQ of all things? I really like this match. I think it was a WrestleMania caliber match. I personally think this should have been the WrestleMania match. I think we could have kept Roman and Brock apart for a little bit longer and, and keep them separate. I, this was fantastic from the, the power bomb through the table to the, uh, like you said, the curb stomp that the crowd bought into Roman Reigns has got the, the 2.9 kickouts down almost to a Kurt angle level uh, of, 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 pa- you know, of being able to just get that split second where you think it's almost over. There were a couple of them where I even bought into, to. Um, and then Roman just really laid into him and, and the story that they told like when Rollins is laying on his back and he puts the shield fist bump out there and he's just laughing maniacally like that's just that's an excellent part of the story I I don't like the execution of it but I like the story of Seth Rollins getting to the rope I think they should have just let his hand drop and Rollins should have just fought himself and got to the rope. And then Roman doesn't break the hold because then it, 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 it tells the story on two fronts. It does tell the story of Rollins having Roman's number and Roman just being frustrated with the entire thing, not only with not being able to just beat Rollins, but with Rollins just toying with him and playing with him. And, you know, we don't see Roman show a lot of emotion except for maybe family. And he viewed the shield as family. So, you know, that's important to him. That's a core value. And Rollins is playing with that. So I, I think if they would have just let Rollins show that bit of extra fire, not only do I think you would have got a huge pop from the crowd if he shows that fire and he's the one who grabs that rope, but then when Roman doesn't let go, it adds a little extra impact to it. And that beat down afterwards adds a little bit extra to it. And why not stay on him afterwards? Let's let the crowd cheer him to his feet. They put on a great match, regardless of the finish. They put on a great match. And you have to want to turn him babyface. I mean, how do you put on a match and do all this with the top dog and not want to turn him back into Seth freaking Rollins, burn it down? He got the crowd to go burn it down when he was stomping with them. Show the crowd giving him that admiration after he puts on a great match like that. Let him let the let the audience see him being that top tier babyface again. So, yeah, I'm with you. I I I, I think this should have been the WrestleMania match. It was it was very good. The finish could have been better executed, but the match itself was very good. Absolutely. And hopefully this is a WrestleMania match somewhere down the road. I thought about this ever since the summer of last year when they was teasing Roman and Seth on SmackDown. And I thought they can always recreate that magic via what they did five or six years ago. But they're so much better now in terms of characters and performers. And when it was all said and done, no disrespect to Brock, who I love very much in his role. But the money to me is Seth and Roman fighting for a championship and Roman trying to win the big one over Seth, something he has not been able to do throughout his entire career. And that's the 
kind of situation that WWE puts themselves in and that you have all these great ideas, but the one hot angle that is a bit hotter than the other, you don't run with it. You don't run where the money is. And right now the money is in a really strong babyface Seth going up against Roman Reigns. And hopefully they don't do the old trick of let's shoehorn Seth into this match between Roman and Brock at WrestleMania. Maybe they'll do something in Saudi Arabia via Elimination Chamber. But even then, I want Roman and Seth to have a bigger match with higher stakes in the U.S. and just deliver when it counts most with a clean finish this time around. Well, you know, it's you say that, and I agree with you. I don't want Seth shoehorn into this either because I think Seth deserves better himself. But there is a history with Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania with the WrestleMania cash in for the first time they, you know, Brock and, and Roman did main event. So there is a, a storyline thread there. Um, you know, is Rollins stealing the title from Brock and Rollins crashing that entire thing. Again, Roman not being able to beat Rollins. So uh, there is a story there. You know, we talk things into existence. So I, I hope you're right that that's not the path that they go. But there is a, a storyline thread that they could pull on if they wanted to. Yeah, and it would be a great match, no denying it. But sometimes we have a history of shoehorning Triple Threats of WrestleMania when I love my Warrior Rumble winner to have the match all to themselves. But that tends not to happen in WWE sometimes. But we shall see. It's not a bad idea. It would be a fantastic match because you have all this history and one match dating back to seven years ago. It could be a nice replay from WrestleMania 31. But when you have the big money and Roman and Brock, you want to go there. But at the same time, how they laid this match out. Now I want to see Seth even more go up against both men. Not possibly, maybe, perhaps a WrestleMania. But that's WWE booking. Sometimes they do too good of a job giving us a tease of what really could be a big match at WrestleMania if they chose to go in that direction. But as we all know, that's not how the Rumble shook out. And speaking of rumbles, now it's time for the 2022 Women's Royal Rumble. And this match had a lot of buzz, a lot of potential, a lot of promise. But in terms of the booking, the layout, and some of the eliminations, this match, I have to say, might have been the worst Women's Warrior Rumble match I've ever seen thus far out of five since its inception in 2018, Scott. Uh, yeah, it's 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 up there. I I, I will. Say, I mean, it's not like I'm, I say it's up there. Like there's 30 of them to choose from. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's probably it's probably top top three maybe. It's definitely in the top five. Let's put it that way, right? Um, so I, I will say this. I think this match more than anything else should you know, should pretty much show and make people understand why Sasha Banks is viewed in the light that she is. Sasha Banks, when she was out there in this match, there was a different energy. She was able to carry the entire match, no matter who was out there with her. Um, And when she left, when she got eliminated, unceremoniously by probably the worst candidate to eliminate her unless you plan on having her and Bailey go after the tag titles which would be pointless for them but I I guess that's something WWE would do you had Zelina Vega eliminate her and the match never recovered the energy never came back it felt like a star was just taken from the match and we really didn't get any type of star quality or at least the fans that think so until Charlotte came and made Rhea actually Rhea Ripley too Bianca was there but even with Bianca you were still waiting on somebody for Bianca to go against you were still waiting on Bianca to get to the end you didn't have that 
clean house powerhouse and nobody was carrying the match like Sasha did at the beginning man Sasha is incredible she is hands down one of the best wrestlers male or female I think in the world and I I have and this match showed it just how she was able to control the match and everything going on I can't say enough about Sasha Banks and her time in this match and just what it how I knew how great she was but just how eye-opening it was of how how like the levels there are to this and how how much levels above she is than everyone else man Sasha Sasha's that she she is the boss of that women's division no doubt about it um as far as this match goes the Molina spot was cool but then she gets eliminated and she starts doing the splits and and dropping it like it's hot on the outside of the ring for whatever reason after she got eliminated. So I don't know what that was about. Um, I guess she was like, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my 15 (laughs) minutes. So there's that. Um, That was your forbidden door as well. Isn't she NWA? So there's your forbidden door. Um, That was okay. And then, uh, you know, you got Kelly Kelly. She didn't look, that wasn't very good. Um, I don't know what was going on with that. If you're going to be Kelly Kelly again, at least dye your hair blonde. Like at least, at least bring the blonde back. Um, So that wasn't very good. Tamina was in the match. I felt like the entire time the match felt like it was two hours and Tamina (laughs) felt like she was in it for at least an hour. So that can never be a good thing. Uh, You got Aaliyah. I think she showed good fire, but I mean, she, she was in it for a good amount of time. Liv Morgan. I, I could care less about her. Then you get Queen Zelina and she's the one who eliminates Sasha and it's right before Bianca comes out and it's like what you can't you are you keeping them separate for a reason because I don't need to see them face each other if there's not a title on the line I already saw them face each other for the biggest prize in the women's division I don't need to see the rematch for no reason so why couldn't you have both of them in the ring to help like why wouldn't Sasha should have been in this to like the final four she should have went from number one all the way to the end with Ronda, Charlotte, like you could have had a great final five. Like you could have had Bianca, Charlotte, Rhea, Sasha, and Ronda. Think about that as a final five circling, and the crowd would have ate that up, man. Like, all right. Anyway, let me let me not let me not talk what it could have been. So then after that, you know, you got Dana Brooke, Michelle McCool. I think Sonya Deville looked pretty good. Uh, I like what she did. Why? Well, I mean, why would you get in the ring if you don't have to? Especially when you're in charge. Apparently, you can do whatever the hell you want. It's still not Black History Month, so you got with all that clout you got going on. So um, you know, Naomi already got her reparations, so you only have to give her nothing else. You see, she went in there, whooped up on Cameron, and go after nobody else but Cameron. The only person she went after. I'm I'm just saying, man, I'm reading the tea leaves. I'm just reading the tea leaves. Um, Naomi comes in. They do their thing. There's that. That's fine. Um, Naomi eliminates her. Then she comes back after the match, after she's eliminated and eliminates Naomi. So there's that thing there. I guess this is going to continue. I was really over that. The best returning person outside of Mickey James, who's an active wrestler. I thought Michelle McCool looked pretty good. Yeah, I thought she threw some people around pretty well. She moved pretty well. She still looked good. The only thing I didn't get, though, is that she seemed to be laughing every time I saw her in the corner, like getting kicked or punched. She just seemed to be laughing or that's the face she makes when she gets punched. So I don't know which one it was. Like some people enjoy pain, so they laugh at it. Or I don't know if she was just really excited to be in the match. Uh, Carmella comes out. 
Thankfully, she was gone. Ivory, I thought she was great. She was giving a promo the entire time, even when Rhea was throwing her out the ring. So that was a lot of fun. The Bella Twins. Let me tell you something. People don't like the Bella Twins, but there's a lot of people who love the Bella Twins. Like there's there people like the Bella Twins. Man, Alicia Fox came out with two brand new sleeves. I mean, she she looked like she had just come from a biker gang the way she was tatted up over there. So she had that going for her. Um, I thought she looked good too. Great height on her drop kicks. I thought that was cool. Shotzi was in the match. I forgot about her. I didn't even realize she was in the match. This is me looking back at my notes. Lita looked good. I thought she did pretty well. Um, hey, just throwing this out there, she eliminated Mickey Jones. Mickey James looked great as well. Um, great reaction. She carried the Impact title all the way down to the ring, got the Impact graphics, so that was cool. I wouldn't mind Lita showing up on Impact, going after the Impact title. I think that would get a nice little buzz for Impact. I think it'd be cool. Not like a pay-per-view, but maybe like an Impact special or Impact taping. I think that'd be cool. That'd be a nice little exchange for WWE to Impact. Uh, Sarah Logan comes in. Her and Liv Morgan have a very brief moment, and she gets eliminated. Uh, I don't think we'll be seeing her anymore. Molly Holly, Nikki Ash went crazy. That actually makes sense because she's the only superhero. Shayna Bay comes out like why couldn't we have Charlotte and Sasha versus Shayna and and Ronda as the final four you have those four squaring off just a little tease of the horse of what could have been horse women uh, versus like I I don't know like the match wasn't laid out well Ronda comes out to a huge reaction huge reaction I know I'm all over the place but so is this match Uh, Ronda comes out to a huge reaction yeah, I, I mean, I think she looked great. She just had a kid. What in September was it? She just had her child. Yeah. So she looked, she looked fantastic for just having a child. Uh, so she came out there. She was throwing punches. She was throwing knees. Uh, after she comes out, match kind of slows down a little bit. So then, you know, her and Charlotte have a nice face off. They get a nice reaction. This feels like a big deal. This feels like a big fight feel. Um, I would have liked for Bianca to get in there a little bit. I would have liked for Rhea to be there a little bit. I, I think that would have been a nice final four right there. Give Bianca and Rhea that they still can continue their little beef with Charlotte, which will never end apparently. And they get a nice little rub from Bianca. But I think that would have been a nice four. But again, WWE does what they want. Ronda get, takes Charlotte out with one move. The crowd goes crazy. Huge pop for Ronda. And then after that, I think that's when she, uh, Ronda sets the WrestleMania sign on fire. And we are ablaze on the path to WrestleMania. It's hot fire. She set the, she set the sign on fire. The fans evacuated the section. And magically, the sign goes up, it goes down, and they put out the fire, they put the fans back, and we'll get to the end of the show because that sign wasn't done being straight fire. But this matchup, let's start with Sasha Banks, who was giving us Sailor Moon down. I loved the outfit. It was a nice aesthetic. She's a big Sailor Moon fan. So am I. Her and Melina had to stare down. It was fun for a grand total of 30 seconds. And the splits, the splits took me out. When Sasha did her split and then Melina went on the floor. On the floor. <laughs> After she was eliminated, she is literally just sitting on the floor, dropping it like it's hot. Like she is trying to audition for a video or something. Like I have no idea what she thought she was doing. And the camera quickly went away from her. It took me out. Because a, a possibility of main eventing WrestleMania was 
so when you so you lose out on on possibly main eventing WrestleMania, so your reaction is to do the splits on the outside of the ring continuously, not just like one time. And be like I can still do it. Like she was like dropping it, like, like popping it, and I'm like, yo. <laughs> You're still going. Like, she was still going. Like, she went, like, three... It was three different people came out before she went up, made it back up the ramp. Like, I had no idea what she was doing. I, I think Sasha was taking it back, too. Like, you're still here. You're still out there. It was a moment, and... <laughs> That's a Titus O'Neil moment. And I thought I recovered from it, but my God, it was just something to behold. And then I got to get to Tamina and Tamina is someone I respect a lot, but who in the hell decided she was going to be the traffic person. She was going to be directing traffic during the Royal Rumble more so than Sasha Banks. Who thought that Tamina and Kelly Kelly doing spots together was a good idea? Who booked Tamina to be the Iron Woman of the Royal Rumble? No, she's going to slow down the pace. No offense to her. She's good for a spot or two, but to be the ring general, to be the traffic person that's going to tell you to go spot to spot to spot, that is not her job. That is Sasha Banks or Natalia, who is the designated person that directs traffic for all of these rumble matches. That's really what threw me off because Tamina was in there for far too long. She was just... Really not great in this match. And I love Tamina, but she has limitations that were definitely exported last night. I, I mean, it, like I said, I, I felt like the match was two hours and she was in it for an hour and she was stopping people from getting eliminated. Like the match just didn't make sense. Like just the things that people were doing, people were just in corners. Nobody were doing moves in the middle. It was just a very, like there were no spots in the middle of the ring. Like people would come in, do a couple things, and then everybody just went to a corner for the last like 30 seconds. It was just really, until Charlotte came back in, like until people came back in that, you know, that, that, that know how to lead a match. And I, I do think that's where Bianca is going to have to, I think that's her next evolution. I'm talking like somebody who's been in the ring before. As, as just from my observation, it just seems like that would be the next thing because that would be something that she would be able to do is kind of lead that match. And I think that's, that would have to be the mindset if she's the star power after Sasha got eliminated, Bianca goes in. I think Bianca needs to be the one leading that match then at that point if she's the star. Agreed. And she was looking a lot during the match, like, where do I go? Where do I go? And that's got to be her next step. Because if you want to be a ring general like Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Natalia, you've got to be able to be in the moment. And crazily enough, when she was in the Warrior Rumble a couple of years ago, she was a ring general alongside Alexa Bliss. They were the people dictating the pace in that Rumble match, which was, which was a much better laid out, thought out match versus this one, which is really messy. And you think about this, Scott, Bianca Belair was in this match for 40 plus minutes, not a single elimination, not a single high spot moment besides maybe vertical suplexing Zelina 
Zelina Vega a couple of times. Nothing of note that made Bianca Belair stand out versus what she did last year or two years ago during her Rumble debut. So I just saw this was a moment where Bianca Belair, who the fans loved every time she was this close to being eliminated, they were like ooing and on praying, like, please don't let her be eliminated because they view her as a star. But she was really a background player until she was in the Final Four, which is a shame. But for her, she really has to be that person dictating the pace. You're the vet in there now. You're going to be the one dictating the tempo of this match. And that simply wasn't the case because she was looking both ways. Where do I go? What do I do? And that wasn't a good look for her. But hopefully in the years to come, when she's a part of this Rumble match more regularly, possibly not if she's a champion, but it's a way to just be the person that sets the tone. And Sasha Banks was the perfect tone setter. But unless she was unable to compete fully due to that injury dating back to the beginning of this year, I could understand the early exit. But the better question is, if she wasn't 100%, why put her in the match to begin with? Yeah, or or even uh, like why not just have why even have her debut before and just have her be a nice surprise? Like I, I mean, think about the reaction she would have got if she didn't show up on SmackDown and she just shows up here as as the thirtieth entrant. Even after Ronda came in, like she would have got a huge like people would have been like, oh my god, we got Ronda and Sasha back in the same Rumble. We're gonna see them face off with Charlotte in the ring. Like, think about that. Like, think about that type of moment. Sasha comes in the ring then. Like, you're going to get holy shit chance. Like, and that's what you want. Those are the moments you, you want to create at these events. You created a moment with Ronda. You can create a couple moments now. Like, I... It's just a lot of missed opportunities. And, you know, I, I get they wanted to start it off, but that could have been Bianca in that number one spot. And she could have went for that for an hour, you know, and she still could have got to the final four. And like you said, she didn't even eliminate nobody. So at least give her the Iron Woman spot. Let her start from number one and go all the way to the final four. Have Sasha come out at the end. I, You can still get to the same spot you were, but you create more moments. You get more out of it. You get some interactions with Ronda and Sasha. You get some interactions with Sasha and Charlotte, Bianca and Ronda a little bit more. Like, you, I think you just missed out on, I think they missed out on a lot of opportunities. Yes, I do like a couple of storyline threads with Sonya Deville when she found out that Karen was a friend of Naomi. Let me take off my jacket. Let me get in the ring. Let me put in this work. She is just such a bitch, but I love her for it. And Naomi, Naomi gets in there and she gets eliminated. Thanks to Sonya Deville a short time later to continue. There another ending storyline on SmackDown heading into, as Scott noted, Black History Month is coming up in a few days time. And this feud must lead all the way to WrestleMania. Reparations time. <laughs> Reparation season is upon us. Also, Ivory. Ivory is 60 fucking years old and she looks incredible and she understood her assignment bringing back right to censor from 20 plus years ago i love ivory auntie ivory can never do wrong in my eyes that was a nice cameo mickey james was a badass alicia fox had moments as well i missed a northern light suplex from alicia fox that would have been a nice touch summer ray went after natalia on site i appreciate that mighty molly getting jumped by nikki ash was superhero on superhero violence I can get behind. And I love the moment between Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. And as you mentioned, Scott, 
why not do half horse women versus half horse women, Sasha, Charlotte versus Shayna and Rhonda. That would have been a great top four alongside Bianca Belair. And let's make it a top six with Rhea Ripley, who really changed the tone of this Rumble match for a bit. But then she gets punked out once again by her nemesis, Charlotte Flair, who she can never win a match off of. You know what? And and now that you bring that up, I mean, think about those six in each, you know, in each of their respective corners, just like, or, you know, just squaring off. Like, those are moments, man. Like, how can they not? We're thinking of this just off the top of our heads. How can they not think of this when they're planning this? These are just great moments to have. Bianca gets a long run. Rhea gets a little bit more of a rub. Like, I don't know. I I just... underwhelming man it's just underwhelming decisions that lead to underwhelming results and i don't it's insanity for them to think under otherwise yeah they got the pop via the ronda rousey win she'll be on sports center great fantastic highlight wheel top 10 sports center buzzy buzzy news but what we just said the top six think about this OG NXT, Sasha and Charlotte, the next generation, Rhea and Bianca Belair, and the horsewomen that challenge the OG horsewomen and Ronda and Shayna Baszler. That's how you create moments. That's how you create storylines. That's how you create heat for WrestleMania. Because that way, the Ronda victory doesn't feel as hollow because she worked for it via working with five badass women with a great background history to back it up via this match from last year and years past and WrestleMania's past. And they miss opportunities and they have the tapes of past rumbles when they told these stories beautifully this year I don't know what happened with the booking that made this match which had which had so much potential be booked so ass backwards and it started the moment Sasha Banks was eliminated and whoever made the decision to make Tamina Tamina in 2022, the ring general for this rumble. From that moment on, I knew something was wrong. And I love Tamina. I don't want to bury her. I don't want to diss her. But she has limitations that does not enable her to be the person that dictates the pace of this match. That goes to that goes to either Sasha Banks or Bianca Belair. And from the moment they booked that wrongly, this was a mess. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I, you know, it's, <laughs> it just it was it was not a good match, man. And I think that was the theme of the Rumbles. They they weren't good matches. They just got the reactions were just because of the star power involved. It, it wasn't because of the match layout or the match quality. Yeah, it really was. So this is on the low tier. I got a dead last in my least favorite Rumble matches for the ladies. I'm sorry. 2018 is goaded, followed by 2020, right? With 2021 and 2019. And now I got the the 2022 edition right at the bottom. I'm sorry, ladies. This was not a very good Rumble match because the booking was completely off and moments were missed. As we now look forward to Ronda Rousey challenging, presumably, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Sir Scott, what are your brief thoughts on this presumed matchup at WrestleMania? Is this the right call for right now versus what they could have done via maybe Ronda Rousey or Becky Lynch heading into WrestleMania, which is not too late because Ronda will be on Monday Night Raw tomorrow night, and that could be anybody's guess as to what she's going to do there. 
I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm really excited about Ronda Rousey being back. Um, I think she had a great run when she had her came when she came in. Uh, one of the best debut matches in WrestleMania history. Her tag match with Kurt Angle versus uh, Triple H Stephanie. She had a great run as women's champion. Put on good. I mean, she probably put on one of Nia Jax's best matches. I think Nia Jax has ever had. So I mean, there's something to that. She put on good. Her and Charlotte had a good match. Her and Sasha had really good matches. Um, so I I'm really excited about it I think it's a really good idea to hold off on that uh, Ronda Becky match the Ronda Charlotte match is the one I would go with for this year's Wrestlemania because I think that Ronda Becky match is the one you go with next year if, if you can keep Ronda next year that's the thing if she can if she's going to be around for two Wrestlemania's I'm saving Becky Ronda for next year's Wrestlemania when they go to LA if you I mean if, if you you got to think that they're going to go something big for the men's like a Roman rock or a Roman versus whoever they plan on making the next guy. So why not go with a Becky Ronda match or, or you go Becky, Becky Ronda this year and you get Rhea or Bianca ready and go one of them versus Ronda next year. So I I like the Becky Ronda this year. I I think that's the way to go because I think Becky Ronda, or I'm sorry, Ronda Charlotte is the way to go this year because I think Becky Ronda is the top end game. That's the end goal, that one-on-one match where Becky finally beats her. And I think you could even have them have that title versus title match where there's no titles on the line at Survivor Series. You give that match some meaning now with Ronda versus Becky. That that match means something. Even the titles are on the line because there's heat there. So then when they face each other at WrestleMania, it's one and one the title is on the line. There's a there's something there at stake, not only bragging rights, but the title. And you've built yourself a match in, pretty much in, in a three-year span. So, yeah, I think that would be a very good stepping stone to get to next year's WrestleMania if you can keep Ronda for two years. For sure. And I'm not opposed to seeing Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. I just want Charlotte to tap into whatever she had at Survivor Series 2018 because that was one of her best matches ever against Ronda Rousey, which was a last minute thing due to Becky Lynch being concussed on Monday Night Raw prior to Survivor Series of that year. And I want that Charlotte Flair. I want the Charlotte Flair that can fire up against Rhea Ripley. I want that Charlotte Flair against Ronda Rousey. Anything less than that Charlotte Flair, that is going to be ferocious. That is going to be vicious. Anything short of that is going to make me like, I don't want to see this match. I don't care. I want Charlotte Flair to be aggressive and a badass. And if they can do that, I will accept this match at WrestleMania's night one or two. And now it is time for the Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Dewdrop. And this match was harmed by the prior match, which was the Women's Warrior Rumble. And the WrestleMania sign being on fire was lifted down, lifted back up. And the fans were distracted by a sign. And Becky Lynch says, I set that sign on fire because I'm straight fire. But Scott, what are your thoughts on this match, which I thought was pretty good, despite the lack of heat from the fans due to the heat on the sign? Yeah, it seems like uh, the WrestleMania sign decided to take up all the heat from the match and just engulf it into a big flame on top and try to burn everyone at the bottom. Um, glad so you know that's what that's what was going on, and a lot of a lot of the fans just weren't paying attention. You could see it in the background. Becky went to a long kind of um, you know chokehold, rear naked chokehold to c- let the crowd you know see that away and let that kind of fade away. Um, you could see the crowd looking at it. I agree with you, Keila. I think they did put on a really good match here 
Um, I think Dewdrop has been really good in her role. I think she's done a really good job in the ring, looking like a beast. Uh, that splash she did, that senton she hit on Becky, that looked brutal. And, that, and like that looked like that legit could have took the win out of her. Um, I, I, just, I just want everyone to remember, this spot Dewdrop is in is more than likely where Nia Jax would have been. This is... I, I have no doubt in my mind this is where this is the match we would have got with Nia Jax. So I'm I'm extremely happy that we've gotten Dewdrop. I think she's been fantastic. Um, I hope there is a title run in her future here because I, I think she's I think she's just has earned one as a, just a monster heel. I think she could carry the title, man. She's shown that she can talk. She can do it on the mic. I really like what they've done with this Dewdrop character. Um, I, name name aside, I mean, it's not quite a Gunther bad, but Dewdrop isn't the greatest name either. But you know, it, it, I think they've done right by her. You know, it, it's and the the real key is the follow up to this match. Just don't forget about her. If you don't have anything for her, just let her just beat enhancement talent on weekly you know weekly if you don't have anything for her just let her literally squash talent with that big splash with the sense on let her just be dominant don't forget about her you have something here with her you can go back to her she's somebody you can rely on she's proven that she can carry a top tier feud so really like the match the finish was nice with the top rope uh man slam so that was good uh, becky something's not there with the in-ring. And I don't know if it's because she's working as a heel, but her matches just don't seem to have that same fire. And maybe it's because she's not working as a baby face who fires up. And maybe that is what's missing. But there's just been something missing from her matches since she's been back. I got to say that I agree with you. And this match had the unfortunate rare triple whammy of sign on fire the crowd is down from the Women's Warrior Rumble and Becky Lynch is miscast as a heel still. And because of that, these matches between the Dewdrops and the Liv Morgans are academic. You know who's going to win. There's not going to be a title change and therefore the fans really don't care emotionally. And Becky Lynch has been good since her comeback. Because of this weird dynamic of her being a heel, it does take away from her matches a bit. The only match that really clicked for me is anything that she does with Bianca Belair. Their chemistry is silky smooth. It's so good and that's the only time it pops in the ring besides any heat she has alongside Charlotte Flair. But this match was good. She busted out a Molly go-round in this match, something that Mighty Molly could not do in the Royal Rumble match previously. So that was nice. And the second rope, Manhandle Slam was a nice way to finish this match. But the drawback is Becky Lynch is supposed to be a babyface. She is supposed to be beloved by the people. And unfortunately, she made the decision to be a heel. And now it's watering down all of her opponents due to people wanting to cheer her, but they can't. And because they can't, they just sit on their hands because they don't know what to do. They want to like Dewdrop. They want to like Liv Morgan. They love Bianca Belair, but when you're up against Becky Lynch, you don't know what to do because you love Becky too. And you add in the Rumble match before and the sign being on fire and all of the buildup leading up to this match. This leaves me feeling pretty cold despite the effort that both ladies delivered, which was strong. But all of the things I just mentioned really brings things down a bit due to bad booking. Yeah. And, you know, it, I- I don't know if they were trying to do, you know, tell a, a subtle story by having the Becky Lynch match follow the Ronda Rousey, you know, Royal Rumble win. But I think this would have been a good spot to put that 10 minute Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar video package. 
I mean, you want to have something to bring the, you know, not bring, you know, have the crowd calm down, but play that 10 minute video package, which was great. I didn't watch the pre-show, so I didn't see it the first time. So I thought it was great, but it, I mean, that was a match itself. Um, so, you know, you had, you know, the first, you know, you had the Brock Lesnar video taking on the Bobby Lashley video, who wins in the end. That was a freaking uh, Royal Rumble match itself. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Until if the, if Becky Lynch would have been a, a baby face during this match, I think it would have been a lot better. I think the crowd would have been more into it. Um, but her just as a heel, it doesn't work. Even how she wrestles, she still wrestles quasi heel. I mean, quasi baby face when she is a heel. The move she like the Molly go around. That's a baby face move. Why would she do that as a heel? Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Until they get her cast right, and I think Ron is the one to do it with. We're gonna keep getting these mild reactions for sure and I am very interested to see how we're going to get to Wrestlemania and who will face Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship if it's not going to be Ronda Rousey that's the match thing most people want to see I don't think it's the match people are going to be getting this year but as always we shall see when it comes to WWE next up is the aforementioned WWE Championship match between Bobby Lashley and the champion Brock Lesnar and both men sent each other to Suplex City at various points both men just rolling out of German suplexes at points and Bobby is rolling out of one and looking down at Brock and Bobby delivers a German to Brock and Brock looks up and says, okay, good job, Bobby. Bobby, who? I respect that, Bobby. And then it just keeps trading suplexes. A nice match for what it is. And then Bobby Lashley has a spear on Lesnar and then hits a spear that sends him crashing through the barricade and not Lesnar. And that allows Lesnar to gain control for a bit. But Bobby gets back on top of things by slamming Lesnar face first to the ring post. But then Brock regains control when he sidesteps Bobby who crashes into the turnbuckle. And then from there, Brock just delivers suplex after suplex after suplex, goes for an F5, and Bobby immediately locks in the one move that Brock has a hard time coming out of, and that is the hurt lock, and the fans think Brock is fading away, he's fighting, he's struggling, and he eventually backs himself into the referee by accident, and that lays him out. He's able to regain control, go for an F5, but by doing so, he knocks out the referee by swinging Bobby around a little bit too much, and he's down for the count, so is the referee. So is Bobby Lashley. And it's one, two, three, four, five, six. No referee to be found. And then, as expected, Roman Reigns comes out and he immediately goes after Brock Lesnar. And the fans go crazy. And Paul Heyman looks on and they have the stare. And Paul Heyman, the side piece, looks lovingly at, at Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns says, Paul... He motions for the championship belt that Paul is holding in his hands. And Paul is more than happy to give Roman that WWE championship as he blasts Brock Lesnar in the face with it, drops the belt because it's beneath him, is not his championship. He's a universal championship to him. That's the only title that matters. And Roman walks away. Paul Heyman joins him being ever subservient per the usual as they, uh, as they apparently have reunited after roughly a month apart. And that leads to Bobby Lashley crawling to the cover 
pinning Brock Lesnar to become the new WWE champion. I figured this would be the outcome because you got to get to WrestleMania somehow, some way with Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I never thought there would be some kind of title unification match at WrestleMania. This is their out. Bobby wins the championship once again, and Brock is out for revenge in more ways than one. And I thought for what it was, the match was good, a bit underwhelming due to the numerous ref bumps. And I thought some of the suplexes were a bit repetitive as well. But Bobby took every bump on his shoulders, on his neck, on his back. Every suplex was a bump that hurt like hell. And it was a big cost battle that was underwhelming because of the lukewarm finish that was expected. Yeah, I, um, Bobby threw that first uh, when Bobby threw that because the first th- German that Brock threw, he Bobby landed on his back, you know, square on his back. When Bobby threw that German back at Brock, Brock landed a bit on his shoulder, and it seemed like Brock took that personal because the rest, like you said, the rest of Bobby's suplexes that he took, uh, that Brock gave him, were all on the shoulder. They were all just turning him inside out on his head. So I, I, I think he pissed Brock off a little bit, and Brock was like, "All right, dude, you want to throw me around like that? Let me show you. Let me, let me welcome you to Suplex City the right way." Um, I, I, I like. Like the match, um, I don't have a problem with the finish. Like you said, you knew it was coming. I think it plays right into the story. The crowd was with it. You know, I think that's the most important thing. The crowd was all about it. When you got the moment of Roman holding his hand out, you know, there was a bit of murmur like, what's he going to do? What's going to happen? And when Paul Heyman handed him that title, you could hear it in the crowd like, oh, oh, like there was just a whole shift in everything. Roman had that little smirk on his face. Roman had the bruises from the earlier match. Like it was, I thought the story played out really well. I don't have a problem with this. I like the end game we got to. Um, I appreciate them not Samoa Joeing Bobby Lashley here and Let's let's talk about it like it is. Bobby Lashley has done something very few people have done. He's beaten Brock Lesnar. He's beaten Goldberg for for WWE titles. Like that's that's not something a lot of people can say they've done. I would almost be curious to know how many people have beaten Brock Lesnar and Goldberg for WWE championships. I would be very curious to know who's on that list because I don't think it would be very long. So. That's something there, like the, Bobby Lashley, man. So, but it also makes me wonder what the original plan was because you know there were the rumors that Seth was going to win the title at day one. Um, you know, if it would have stayed a fatal four way, we don't know what would have happened with Brock and Roman. So, who would have won the Rumble? You know, there's a lot of questions of what if, what would have happened, what could have happened. Was Big E destined to win the Rumble and go to face Seth at Mania? There's a lot of questions like that. One little spot I do want to bring up um, that I do appreciate. You talked about it. I like that Brock Lesnar just doesn't continually get speared to the barricade because it seems like everybody does it to him at some point. So I like that he actually avoided this one and Bobby Lashley just crashed and burned. Um, Again, I like the match. I think the finish was fine. I think the outcome is the important thing with Bobby Lashley getting a huge victory over Brock Lesnar. That's a huge notch in his belt, man. He's had a great two years fantastic two years yes really strong back to being wwe champion once again and 
this entire path to WrestleMania is unknown. How are we going to get challengers for Bobby Lashley? Who are they going to pick? That is going to be a good question heading into Elimination Chamber and a whole lot of Raws between now and WrestleMania. So Bobby Lashley is back at the top of the mountain as WWE champion. Good for him. Well-deserved, and let's see what they do, because as you mentioned, there were some alternate ideas regarding day one. Seth was supposedly going to win the championship. Now he still has a beef with Roman Reigns that goes beyond Monday Night Raw once again. So there's a lot of things that WWE can do to switch people around, extend feuds, possibly add people to matches at WrestleMania. But I hope that Bobby is done properly heading into the biggest show of the year with good opponents to boot, because he deserves it. He's a great champion, and he is one of the few anchors on Monday Night Raw that look forward to every single week putting in that work. Next up is a match that Scott has been looking forward to for a very long time. It's Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Miz and Maurice. And he has allowed me to take point on this match because he knows how I feel about the Miz. But I got to say, I enjoyed this match for what it was. It delivered as intended. Maurice was really good in this match. She's a great character and she delivered in the ring as well. She doesn't run away from Beth Phoenix. She didn't cower in fear. She didn't pull Edge's hair just to do it. She had intention behind her actions as she loaded up her purse with another brick and smashed Beth in the back with it once again for a very close near fall. At one point, she hits... A top rope hurricanrana on edge, on edge. And then she hits the French kiss on Beth Phoenix for a near fall. It's beautiful. I say go Maurice. Even Miz has a moment too with the skull crushing finale on edge. But of course, the grit couple edge and Beth make a great comeback. Beth power bombs Miz at one point. Edge goes up top with a top of elbow drop with elevation to boot for a near fall. And eventually, as the it couple goes to go for a skull question finale on edge, a double stroke, so to speak. Beth Phoenix gets in there, spears Maurice. Edge gets back in there, takes out Edge. Takes not Edge, but takes Edge takes out the Miz. And we have the tandem glam slam to Miz and Maurice as Edge pins Miz again to make me very happy for what this was for the time it was given. This was a lot of fun to watch. And Maurice was my low key MVP because she delivered in all the key spots in terms of comedy, in terms of being a coward and putting in that work when need be to deliver a very entertaining match involving her husband who she overshadowed. But that's the point of it all, isn't it? So a couple things. Um, first of all, I would like to say that uh, this felt like a little bit of a WrestleMania caliber match too. Uh, not like as far as the quality, but just this felt like something you would see at WrestleMania. You know, a, a mixed tag with the uh, with the couples, with the returning legends. Feels very similar to the John Cena, Nikki Bella thing. Uh, but like, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think this ma- I think this match shows why the Miz is so valuable, man. Like he can entice a reaction, like with the the standoff that he had with Beth Phoenix when Beth Phoenix has that mean face and we all know Beth Phoenix could beat up the Miz if she really wanted to but that standoff was fantastic because the Miz is so arrogant and he's looking like oh you want to take me on you think you could take me on meanwhile the crowd is going crazy because they're like oh my god yes we would love to watch her rip you in half I mean that's why he's that's that's what makes him great that's why I love watching him um, I'm glad you brought up 
Maurice, she was fantastic. I thought she looked great. The Huracarana was good. It was a little clunky in the right way in that she almost thought like that was the first time she had did it and her reaction was perfect. The, the, the French kiss right after the DDT that looked good right after, um, the double spear that Beth and edge hit on the Miz was also a very good touch. Miz sold it beautifully laying on his head for about three seconds with his feet straight up in the air after he took that spear. The double glam slam was nice. Um, Beth Phoenix shows why she's the best at it because Edge could barely get the Miz up there. But, you know, <laughs> Beth Phoenix was like, this is what I do. This is my thing. This is what I do. Um, I would have personally liked to see Beth Phoenix kind of manhandle the Miz a little bit more. I know she got the powerbomb spot. I would have liked to see her bring back her Fisherman Buster suplex. I think she could, I think her suplexing the Miz especially just vertically from the ground up because I know she can I think that would have been a more impressive spot than the powerbomb let's not take anything away from it I just think her hitting her move would have just got a greater reaction uh, but it was a fun match it, I thought the 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 powerbomb combo they did hit when she did hit the powerbomb and Edge came off the top with that elbow drop I thought that was a really nice spot too and that could have been a nice that was a nice false finish there um, so yeah I, I agree no harm done here Nice fin, uh, nice match, and I again. This shows why the Miz is valuable. You can slot him in so many different places against so many different people. Nice win for Miz or for Edge and Beth Phoenix. Good match. Yes, that was a nice way to segue into the Men's Warrior Rumble because I was very happy watching Beth and Edge whoop ass and Maurice showed out too. Miz did his part as well. Not going to hate on him this night, but let's get to the main event, the Men's Warrior Rumble match. And I got a couple of observations I want to point out first of all, because, you know, we grew up as WWE fans. Things are synonymous in WWE when it comes to a superstar that makes their superstar entrance. It's the music. It is your identity. It's your swagger. It's what you bring to the table via your theme music. Your music is so good, you would cause us to go to the record store and buy WWE The Music Volumes 1 through 5 because that was the shit back in the day for us. Now you can go on Spotify and listen to all the albums for free and it's a great touch. Go on YouTube and relive the Titantrons. Scott, I can safely say in the year 20. 2022 half these fucking songs i wouldn't even spend a penny on to download for my ringtone because they suck well i can't remember half of them so i don't even know if they suck or if they are good because i wouldn't know them if i did hear them um there's only a few that are memorable that even stand out like the roman one stands out the rollins one stands out kevin owens stands out because it hasn't been changed in six years and that's a rarity in wwe um like the good music they have they change like damian priest had fine music and a great entrance and they got rid of that i think he's on his third i think carmella came out with different music while we're talking about it that's got to be her fifth in the last two months so I think she came out with new music. I think does Liv Morgan have new music? Is that new too? So that's yes. got to be her. That's her second or third different entrance music. Um, it, yeah, it's it's just crazy. Like they have good music. Like Ricochet's old music was tight. Like I I just I don't I don't understand the changes to the music. Keith Lee his his original theme was dope, and they decided to change his three times. Who knows why they do the things they do? They have a good thing. They have to tinker with it. 
Way too much. At least AJ Styles' theme is still goaded as yeah, his the is greatest. Tight. It's tight. It's good. If they change that, we got problems. But CFOs, we do not appreciate what we had until it's gone, as they've basically repackaged damn near every song they have produced over the last couple of years. But thank God AJ and Shisuke Nakamura, who kicked off this year's Warrior Rumble for the men, keep their theme music for now. It was a nice start, a nice flashback to WrestleMania several years ago in New Orleans. And I had high hopes knowing, okay, we're going to have a little work rate in this match to kick off the Rumble. Then comes Austin Theory at number three, Vince McMahon's pet project, followed by Robert Roode. And in the year 2022, we have a TNA chant when Robert Roode goes face to face with AJ Styles. Yeah, that was a nice little moment. And you could even see Robert Roode kind of acknowledge that he put a he had a nice big smile on his face. Um, so that, you know, I mean, why not? You already had Mickey James show up from Impact. So, yeah, I, you know, it's already in their minds. Yeah, but it was it was a cool moment. And let me tell you, man, Robert Roode looks like a million bucks. And I'm I'm astonished that he hasn't been more in WWE. He looks like a million bucks. He really does. I will always say in this version of Robert Roode, who looks like a Triple H clone, keep the memories alive for us, Robert Roode, via the Triple H aesthetic, the beard, the hair from well over 10 years ago and leading into current day Triple H. As you segue to number five in this Rumble match, Rich Holland, who is rocking Sheamus's face mask. And at least the face mask stays on this time because on SmackDown on Friday, the, the, the snap was loose. He was fighting with the mask. He couldn't see. And at least he's projecting a bit more in the ring he's got some new overhead throws which look good he's gaining confidence when you work with Sheamus you got no choice but to get better fast especially when you're working on the road with him several days a week then we get Montez Ford coming in at number six followed by Damian Priest at number seven Sami Zayn at number eight and coming in at number nine is Johnny Knoxville who gets a great pop from the crowd and Johnny immediately takes down Sami Zayn he's delivering shots ground and pound he tells AJ Styles hit me bitch Give me your best shot. And AJ Styles lays this man out with the combo, with every punch combo you can imagine. Johnny goes out. Montez Ford hits a frog splash, lays his ass out. And Sami Zayn has the last laugh by eliminating Johnny Knoxville from the Warrior Rumble. And at that point, besides the untimely elimination of Shisuke Nakamura, I wondered to myself, wait a minute. After all of this time, Johnny Knoxville wasn't the one to eliminate Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn eliminated Johnny Knoxville. At least Jackass got a plug, but damn. It, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. The the whole I, I mean I figured the whole point of it was for Johnny Knoxville to come in and eliminate Sami Zayn. Um, it just seemed like all the wrestlers decided to just bully Johnny Knoxville. That's what it looked like. Because I mean, you had Sami Zayn and Montez Ford teaming up. With AJ Styles, all the, the beat up, the, the bully Johnny Knoxville. What is going on here? <laughs> like, it's not like it was it was the dirty dogs and, and all of them. Like, you had Montez Ford doing a frog splash to Johnny Knoxville. And let's, let's call it like it is. He didn't even land that clean. He landed that on his dick. So, I don't even know what was up with that. So, like, they just was bullying that guy. And he came out with his whole entourage. Where'd they go at? Where'd they go after the entrance? They should have been out there to help him. 
catering was too good. They said, let's go back to this food. This food is delicious. But in reality, Johnny was the baby face and it got completely hosed by these mean wrestlers in the ring. He was having his moment, but he kind of forced AJ's hand saying, hit me, hit me harder. And AJ hit his ass and he paid for it at the end. But the logic of Johnny Knoxville not eliminating Sami Zayn when it counts the most was definitely a choice, a missed opportunity. I thought Johnny was great for the time he was in this match, which leads to Angelo Dawkins coming in at number 10 and Omos coming in at number 11, followed by Ricochet, Chad Gable at number 13, and Dominic Mysterio. And at this point, Omos is eliminating my faves, Dawkins, Ford. That makes me very upset. Dominic Mysterio, who promised to eliminate his father from the Royal Rumble match, was eliminated before his father got in the goddamn match. From that point forward, I knew this match was fucked. So, you know, the last two Raws we've been, and, and with the Street Profits as well, we've been telling the story that it's been it's been a nice change of pace. They've been telling us a nice story of, you know, tag partners will turn on each other and you never know who's going to turn on who and you got to watch your back and there's this father-son dynamic. And then none of it plays out in the Rumble. You build up these stories for no payoff. Like, why? I mean, why have these stories when when you don't have? It just doesn't make sense, man. There's the the layout of it's like they laid out the first half of the match and forgot what they did on Raw. It's like whoever laid out this match didn't watch anything they were doing on Raw. Absolutely nothing. I mean, even like Austin Theory's elimination was unceremonious. Damian Priest's elimination was unceremonious. Like. The way Omos was like Damian Priest is a guy you should he should have had a nice run in the, nope nobody had a good run in the Royal Rumble except for the, the at the end which we'll get to the last entrant he's the only one who stood out in the Rumble which is not there should there's at least somebody who stands out for being the Iron Man somebody who has the big monster run nobody had any of that in this Rumble not even and even Omos he had a moment you know he had this quick moment but. This is just underwhelming, underwhelming. Yes, his elimination early was really surprising, but I kind of got to thank WWE because you realize this guy has limitations and you don't want him out there too long. But my goodness, sacrificing Damian Priest and Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford especially is a damn shame. At least AJ Styles got a measure of revenge when it counted most, which leads to number 15 coming into the match. Happy Corbin, followed by Dolph Ziggler. Number 17 is Sheamus. Number 18 is Rick Boogs. Number 19 is Matt Cat Moss, who inexplicably, for reasons we will never get a payoff of, eliminates AJ Styles. Why? The same reason he was the guy who was able to take out Drew McIntyre. The same reason he got a pay-per-view match with Drew McIntyre. Nobody knows. The same reason he won the 24-7 title when he was Riddick Moss six (laughs) months ago. Nobody knows why they do these things with him. The same reason he has on church socks. Crew church socks. Not even like ankle joints, but like crew church socks. With some short shorts and suspenders, nobody knows why they do these things with Moss. His name, they change everybody's names, but they don't want to change Madcap. They get rid of names all the time, but you don't want to get rid of Madcap and just call him Moss. 
you know, there's a lot of things they do with this guy that nobody understands. And and I like him. I think he's I think he's done good so far. But for him, that's like a Zelina Vega eliminating Sasha Banks. No, the eliminations didn't even make sense. Completely illogical. And I mentioned a few weeks ago, wow, Madcap's got a nice body. Let's show that a bit more on SmackDown. Why cover him up? And then they give me a compromise. Let's throw some church socks, suspenders, and some short shorts on him. There he is. No, he looks like something that... Just no, no, that's not a good look. Just put him in some tights. Let's go. Because it gives me every, if Family Matters is on the air today, that would be the outfit Steve Urkel will wear in public. That would be the fit if Stefan Arkell went a bit nerdy. That would be the gear. That would be the fit. But no, let, let him wear tights. Let him dress like a wrestler. He's got a nice body. Don't make him look like a joke. That's the one drawback to many things in WWE characters and how they're presented. And he's not presented as a star that you should take seriously despite him eliminating AJ, AJ Styles, which was definitely a choice and not a good one. As we have number 20 entering the match, which is Riddle. Number 21 is the returning Drew McIntyre, who makes a beeline for the aforementioned Madcap Hattamoss and Happy Corbin, who he eliminates in short order. Followed by number 22, Kevin Owens. Rey Mysterio comes in at number 23. And his son, Dominic, is already gone from this match because, as Scott mentioned, somebody forgot a storyline they were doing for weeks on Monday Night Raw. Rey eliminates his son back-to-back weeks. And his son basically tells his father, I'm going to eliminate your ass, but he's not there now because they forgot. Another, I mean, that's just another nice moment for another guy who's another young wrestler who's had some good moments in his career and needs moments like this. Like this would have been a nice moment for Dominic Mysterio to be able to eliminate his dad. And why not let him do that? Why not have this moment there? I mean, they've, they've created so many moments as a father son, this story that they've told since he's debuted. This is another chapter and we know what the end game is. Why not add this chapter to it? It just, I, I just don't know what the mindset was when, what the thought process was when they laid this match out and why the, they weren't trying to create these moments. It just, I just don't know what the thought process was. It boggles my mind because in a perfect world, Dominic eliminates Ray. And if they take it all to if they take it all the way to WrestleMania, the end goal should be if Dominic beats his father, he gets the mask and he becomes a true Mysterio. He lives up to the lineage, the legacy. I know that they don't want to do the storyline because they don't want to get this dynamic messed up in terms of the father hates the son or the father hates the son or the son hates the father and whatnot. But I think that Ray has a gravitas as a promo, especially in the Twilight Twilight years of his career to pull this off a bit more. And Dominic can add some emotion if he can bring it from a real place. You can tell this story. And here was the perfect opportunity to do it and they had the storyline in place and they did not execute it not even whiff at it at the rumble which was stunning to me and now we lead to our 24th entrant which is Kofi Kingston Kofi 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 he has been responsible for many great warrior rumble moments but on this night Kevin Owens immediately knocks him out of the rumble and Kofi is supposed to land on the barricade but I think he landed a bit too hard rip first. And upon replay, his feet 
on the floor and therefore he's eliminated. And according to various reports, that was not supposed to happen. He was supposed to land on the barricade, get back in the ring, do more spots with Big E. But because of that, this match was incredibly rushed down the stretch. But this was when this happened, we knew then a rare miss from Kofi. We knew then, Scott, this match was about done for in terms of mm -mm, this is a disaster. This is not going to be a rumble to remember for years to come. There are certain times when you just got to you just got to read the tea leaves, you know, um, the same way that you can, you know, you can tell what the what the real story is with Sonya Deville when she only attacks Cameron in the match when she's been targeting Naomi this whole time when you really know what's going on. You know a match is going to be bad when you read the tea leaves and see that Kofi Kingston's, you know, his his rumble spot didn't work. That's when you know it's just, it's not a good night, man. And yeah, it, you know, and it's not Kofi's fault. It, it you know, it happens. It's, it's live. You don't get a redo. It's not taped. So, it, you know, stuff like that happens. And, they tried to play it all, but you know, you, you get all that on camera. So, but what are you going to do? You got to, you got to be able to adjust and create on the fly. Yeah. And that was rough for him. And that sucked. That was a rare, rare miss for him. And it's a shoot. You got to call it as such. Your feet are on the floor. They can't lie and say that it's not because clearly his feet was on the floor, which leads to number 25, Otis, followed by number 26, Big E. And number 27, the man to me that tried his damnedest to save this Warrior Rumble, Grammy Award winner, Bad Bunny. God bless this man for trying his damnedest to keep this match above water. Yeah, let's um, let's give a shout out to Bad Bunny who pulls off a Panama sunrise about as good as Adam Cole does. I mean, this guy comes in the match. He's he's solid. He must he's got to be wrestling in his spare time. He's got to have a ring at his house at this point because he looks good, man. I I'm I'm here for uh, for him taking on like Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode at WrestleMania. If they want to do another tag match with him and another partner, or do a six man with maybe him and the Mysterios versus a group, I'm here for it because I Bad Bunny has been good on the screen on the in the ring every time he's been out there. He's somebody who hasn't missed yet, so I, I'm here for more Bad Bunny. I hope he shows up for this year's WrestleMania. Me too. He's going to be busy on tour, two tours, arena and stadium back to back. But Bad Bunny is that dude who did what he needed to do. And I laughed at Pat McAfee later on during this rumble saying, dude, you got two tours. Jump over the top rope when a certain somebody comes out there in the 30th spot. And then the surprises keep coming as number 28 is Shane McMahon. And this, I'm not going to curse the way I want to curse. But this person came out here. And inexplicably, and despite the great pop that he got, because Huge he's a McMahon. Pop. Huge, Huge pop. pop. Massive pop. Great pop. Good for Shane. But this person decided. Go ahead and say what I, you want to say. Go ahead and say what you want to say. Go ahead. You ain't got to sugarcoat it. Just think of him like the Miz. Say what you want to say. I got to be a little tame. I got to be a little tame. This bastard decided to eliminate for no goddamn reason Kevin Owens. Just did it because he could like fuck you fuck you Shane McMahon and your lockbox he had some fresh kicks on though 
<laughs> that's the one takeaway you have. The, the shoes were good. The hey, shoes are on point. My man, let me tell you, let me tell you something. Y'all think the young bucks are the ones that have been rocking the kick since day one? Y'all better y'all better do your research on Shane McMahon. That boy been rocking the kick since day one. He had the original Air Ones, okay? The original Jordans when they came out back in the 80s. Vince took him to the nearest Fort Locker and said, son, get your shoes. And he's been a sneakerhead ever since. Yeah, he stay fresh. I, I always peep the shoe game. He stay fresh. Yes, he's a sneakerhead through and through, which leads to number 29, Randy Orton. And this dude gets a pop. It's his hometown. They're going off. Randy Orton is the man. He's in RKO's on everybody. And Riddle... The step up off Otis to Drew McIntyre. <laughs> that thing was nasty. <laughs> it was so sick. It was sickening. That was like, it popped Randy. It popped the people. Pat lost his mind. That was a picture perfect RKO out of nowhere off of Otis's back. And Otis has proved once again, he can get hit with an RKO out of nowhere. So there goes that theory. But that was a nasty RKO that Riddle hit perfectly and Drew McIntyre so just as well. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if that was planned, just how Drew took it. I, I just think... Matt Riddle was like, let me just jump off and grab this dude and come down with the RKO because that was great. And again, that's another story that could have played out like, why not have Randy in there a little bit longer? They get, you know, to really milk that reaction. I think a spot Kofi was meant to be in was definitely a springboard into an RKO because I I felt like there were a few RKOs lacking there. I I would have liked for him to just lay out everybody, literally everyone in the match with an RKO. Um, But yeah, Riddle got, I mean, uh, Randy got a huge, huge reaction. Um, His story with Riddle, I think, has done wonders for him. People love him in St. Louis, man. I still think they should have had a tag title match and probably won the titles back here in this in the, at this pay-per-view just to get him on the card, man, because that reaction was monstrous. If he had a match, they would have been going crazy the entire time. I, I think that's another, that's another missed opportunity, man. You have a hometown legend in Randy Orton, and he gets five minutes of TV time. Yeah, that was disappointing, but he made the most of his time. And then I'm not going to blame Randy Orton for this. I'm going to blame the booking because Big E gets it with RKO off the jump. And then Randy Orton eliminates Big E. Just a random, sad elimination. Merely four weeks ago, Big E was the WWE champion. And last night, he could not be in the final four of the Warrior Rumble. And I really thought that WWE would take care of Big E in terms of let's protect him. We didn't mean to take the title off of him the way that we did. We got a backup plan. This was your plan. This is your idea to completely dismiss Biggie as if he was nothing in this match. That was incredibly disappointing. And for anybody that tells me to wait to see how it plays out, we've waited for years for several things to play out and they never, ever end well. And after this I don't know what to think about Big E and his prospects now, apparently on SmackDown. And we know he's never going to get a shot against Roman Reigns anytime soon as Roman's locked up, not only with Brock Lesnar, but Seth Rollins as well. What a misstep by WWE via the bad booking of Big E, who deserves a hell of a lot better than he's getting right now. Underwhelming. 
the word of the day, the word of the day, which leads us to number 30 as predicted, as expected. It's not going to be Braun Breaker. It's not going to be Gunther, even though he's watching to me for the next two days. It's Brock Lesnar coming out in the 30th spot, a pissed off Brock Lesnar eliminating Randy Orton. The fans boo that takes out Riddle, Bad Bunny. As Pat McAfee says, son, you got two tours. Just run. Eliminate yourself. Think about your money. Think about your coins. But oh no, Bad Bunny's going out like a G. He takes an F5 better than a whole lot of people in WWE. Took it perfectly and got eliminated by Brock Lesnar. That was a great spot for him to sell and to take and to get eliminated like a boss despite the ass whooping. Hey, let me tell you something. Can't nobody say Bad Bunny. How many celebrities you know would just come in just to take an F5 from Brock? Like, this guy, like he, hey man, he he's a true fan. You could tell he knows what's going on. He knows what needs to be done. He didn't have to take that F5. He could have got eliminated early. He could have told him, I'll just run out the ring. But nah, he was, he was probably like, yo, you better hit me with that thing too. You better throw me around or I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get right back up. No, he ain't say that to Brock, but I know he was thinking that. He was thinking, and that's what in his mind, that's what he was going to say to him if he didn't do it. But then he got hit with it, and he was like, yeah, I don't want to get back up. But no, I, I, I love, like I said, every time Bad Bunny is, on, is in the ring, he's been great. So I'm here for it. Yes, he needs to be back at WrestleMania this year. Find me another tag team. He'll give Bad Bunny a solo match at WrestleMania, and I'm good to go as well. This guy has not missed a single time from last year's Warrior Rumble to WrestleMania to last night. He was great in every situation. He has not missed yet. And let him come to WrestleMania if he can have time in his schedule to do so. But it comes down to a replay of the 2020 Warrior Rumble, and it's Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. And the memories come back. The fans go crazy and they trade some spots back and forth a bit. And when Drew goes for the Claymore, Brock sidesteps it, hits the F5 to get Drew McIntyre out of the ring to win the Warrior Rumble. I was fine with this. I'm not mad because we knew, we knew from the jump that the destination was always clear. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, WrestleMania, Universal Championship. The story has been great. Now, we got the Seth Rollins twist now involved that I want to see that match, too, at some point. But this is where the money was always going to be in Dallas, Texas or Arlington, Texas. We want to be more specific regarding this matchup at WrestleMania. But here we are. And as Brock points at the sign as the show goes off the air to prove how jinx this show is. I cannot believe they even let the pyro off near this goddamn sign. But the sign set itself on fire again because for 30 plus years, People have been pointing at this sign and the sign says today on this night, fuck it. I'm going on strike. Stop pointing at me. Leave me the fuck alone. And that sign said enough twice. To be fair, the second time Brock Lesnar was shooting at the sign. So I think I think that added a little extra oomph into it when those fireworks were going off. So to be fair, uh, Brock was shooting at it. I actually did enjoy him uh, doing that instead of just the point. He was, you know, bang, bang, bang. So that was that was that was actually pretty funny. Brock always does little things like that. that just stand out. It reminded me of the of a boombox Brock, uh, him shooting off the fireworks. But yeah, um, the WrestleMania sign was pretty much a omen of the show underwhelming disappointing and potentially dangerous 
Yes, it was. And hopefully and thankfully, everybody is safe as Brock Lesnar thought the WrestleMania sign was a moose. Let's not forget, he goes moose hunting and he has experience shooting things. And he thought that star was a moose he can mount in his house. But as Scott mentioned, the word of the day is underwhelming, an underwhelming Royal Rumble. After so much anticipation, so much hype, so much excitement, this show truly underwhelmed. I'm not upset at the destination to WrestleMania, but there are some things with the Biggie elimination, with the Women's Royal Rumble match in particular, with Sasha Banks being eliminated too damn early, to just decisions that made no sense to me in the men's warrior rumble match no payoff to ray and dominic mysterio we get aj styles eliminated by Matt cat moss we just get some weird shit on the show that will have no payoff anytime soon heading into wrestlemania and it's just a show that a lot of promise a lot of hype because this was their first warrior rumble in two years in front of people and their last great rumble was two years 2020 in, I believe, Houston, Texas. And it was a great show. It was a hype show. It was a somber show in a lot of ways, but it delivered. And this Warrior Rumble had the table set to set the tone for WrestleMania season. And we're on the road and it's off to a very bumpy start. But I do believe they can get back on track. But I fear that there are some matches such as Seth and Roman and Becky and Ronda that might be a bit more appetizing versus what WWE has in store for us for the actual show. Yeah, I actually, you know, I I don't think it's a bad thing that, you know, outside we know what the we have an idea of what well, we know what one is. We know it's going to be Brock and Roman for sure. And, I, you know, it seems pretty likely that we're going to get Charlotte and Ronda or Charlotte and Becky. But I do like kind of the unknown with the Bobby Lashley thing. I I actually do like that. We, we really don't know where he's going for WrestleMania. Um, Drew McIntyre is on SmackDown. So, you know, you kind of wonder who are the options on Raw? Kevin Owens, um, the, uh, Kevin Owens, and then you have uh, Big E. Do they elevate Finn Balor? Me personally, I, I think I think you I think you could elevate a guy like Matt Riddle, um, and there's obviously and have you know you could elevate him maybe have him win the Elimination Chamber or something like that. Go on and face Lashley at WrestleMania. He could beat Lashley at WrestleMania. Have Orton turn on him the night after WrestleMania sets up a feud. You've got some story there. So I you know I'm not opposed to them elevating guys, but I, I like that there's some mystery with the Bobby Lashley thing. And the Riddle Orton thing is another one too. Like, I think they have stories in place WrestleMania ready. Like, that's going to be a big story, I think, for WrestleMania. And I think it's going to be an engaging story for WrestleMania. I think Bianca is going to have an engage. I I have faith that they're going to take care of Bianca and give her some type of engaging story. I think they're going to take care of Bobby Lashley. So I I do think we're going to get stories in place. Um, But I like that there's some intrigue and mystery as far as what stories are going to take place. For sure. The door is open. Hopefully, Bianca Belair... Sasha Banks, Rhea Ripley, Big E, Bobby, they're protected heading into WrestleMania. They got good stories. They got two nights of Mania to get through. And let's not sleep on WrestleMania SmackDown on Fox. That is going to be a show that Fox really wants that appetizer for WrestleMania to be that show that sets the tone for the weekend. They want their piece of the WrestleMania pie. So if you're not going to be on the main, main show, maybe they can make that SmackDown in Dallas a bit more appetizing for fans in terms of what if. Because last year had potential, but they were in a Thunderdome and that really killed any heat for you thinking wow 
I don't get to actually go to WrestleMania. But being in the same city for SmackDown the night before, you do feel that extra WrestleMania umph just in case you don't make the main main card. But here's hoping everybody gets something for those two nights. I don't see why you wouldn't because you got people still coming back from injuries such as Bailey, hopefully Asuka, and hopefully they're back in the mix as well heading into the heart of WrestleMania season. Yeah, there's, I mean, I think there's a lot you could do. You know, I don't, I kind of don't want this to happen, but you know, you need to. I mean, why not use the Rumble to build stories? Carmella and Zelina, you don't have anything for them to do. The tag titles aren't going to mean anything with them. Have Bailey? Bailey's going to come back as a baby face. People are going to cheer her. Why not have her and Sasha team back up and just take those titles back and be that entertaining duo this time in front of fans? Let the fans get the experience. That. Let them play off of the fans. They were a blast. They were one of the MVPs during the pandemic as a team. I wouldn't mind seeing that run back um, with the tag titles, and you can play that off of the storyline. Um, an idea that's been floating around, especially during the, in the fight game group. I can't remember if it was Steve or Jeremy that said it, but. Rhea Ripley and Bianca in a number one contenders match wouldn't be the worst thing either. Um, at least it gives them something to do. Uh, you know, so there's there are options for them. Uh, the Seth Rollins KO thing, you know, if, if Rollins isn't going to face Roman, there is a story there with Kevin Owens turning back to the dark side. And that's going to and that could be what puts Rollins back to Seth freaking Rollins. So there's a story there. Maybe Big E faces Omos like that could be a big match for Big E going against Omos. That could be a good test for Big E to see what he can bring to the table. And obviously they would give him a big power spot of him lifting Omos if that were the case. So there's there's stories there and there's people that you know AJ Styles what are they going to do with him Finn Balor Austin Theory that's somebody that needs to be taken care of going in the Wrestlemania season and that's a that's a guy who had a should have had a better showing in the Rumble um, all this TV time he's been getting with Vince McMahon Vince McMahon should have told him he was going to break his bones if he didn't win the Rumble because uh, that's apparently what it takes to beat people so those there's people that need to be taken care of, but there are stories and there are directions that they can take. So I, again, I, I, I like the intrigue. I like the mystery that is kind of surrounding it. Um, and that's maybe me being a little too optimistic though. You almost scared me. Omos versus Biggie at Ooh, WrestleMania. Big, big sweaty men slapping meat. Get Goldberg for that. <laughs> Get Goldberg. I, I definitely don't want to see Goldberg versus Omos. <laughs> Hell no. Oh, no, 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 no. I might have to cancel Peacock if that happens. <laughs> I need Goldberg and Big E. If Big E gets the consolation prize of Goldberg, the match he wants, that's the marquee match for Big E. That would really give him that boost, hopefully. Well, if he's going to be on SmackDown, they need the stars. So Goldberg, show up on SmackDown, challenge Big E because he has one more match on his WWE contract. And that would be a nice way to tie things up at WrestleMania. But we have a lot of great ideas of, about what they can do to make WrestleMania feel big this year in those two nights in Arlington, Texas. Will they take our advice? We shall see in due time. But that's the beauty of WrestleMania season. But I don't think this is going to be a rumble. I'm going to look back on. I'm not going to replay it. There will be no fond memories via this show, unfortunately. But that does not mean that WrestleMania is not going to be any good. Because think back to seven, eight years ago via the 2014-2015 Warrior Rumble. I was upset. I was viscerally angry. This rumble, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed because this show had potential. But the bad booking really took away from what could have been a special night in St. Louis. I agree. Underwhelming.
Yes, the word of the day, ladies and gentlemen. On that note, it's now time to wrap up the wrap as we close the book on the 22 Warrior Rumble. But don't you worry, we'll be back next weekend with a brand new wrap covering the fallout from the Royal Rumble. Maybe we have some answers regarding what's going to happen at WrestleMania. Yes, it's far too soon, but they plant seeds ahead of schedule. So we got a whole lineup featuring recaps of Monday Night Raw, NXT, SmackDown, and any other news that breaks when it comes to all things WWE. So, Scott, thank you for joining me once again. I'm sorry that Von Wagner could not be a part of the Royal Rumble because Brock says, no, it's my time and my time alone. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to chop it up and talking WWE with you. And that is okay. I'm going to see if I can get a refund for that down payment I made to a special someone uh, who is going to slip me in there. I guess Von Wagner wasn't able to get that ball out of the, you know, wasn't able to get the ball out of the wheel or Brock Lesnar came and beat him up for it. One of the two happened, but I need my money back. He'll find a way, folks, somehow, some way. He'll be braver than Bad Bunny. Scott will take the bump because that's what he does to get his money. Hell no, nah, I'm running out the <laughs> ring. I, I am certainly jumping out the ring. He ain't hitting, I ain't taking no F5. <laughs> Not even to get your retainer back? Nah, I'm good. I, I'm good. I, I know Jeremy will hire me back. I'll be his assistant if I need to. Yes. And with that, because Scott's scared of Brock, and why wouldn't you be at this point? We'll be back next week with a brand new wrap, recapping all things WWE. For myself and for Scott, that's a wrap on the 2022 Warrior Rumble.